Welcome to FitPro Foundations, the podcast where you'll hear fitness professionals provide the ideas and the inspiration behind their success. My name is Karen Salenzi, and today it is my pleasure to introduce Paul Howell. Paul has got 26 years experience in the industry as a WABBA Olympic weightlifting instructor and an NASM CPT. His primary business focuses on the importance of fascia and proper movement patterns to reduce faulty biomechanics and avoid injuries. He's the creator of The Sling Method and has written several ebooks for runners, triathletes, and even golfers. Paul also runs the Sling Method certification courses across the globe. Paul, Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. How's it going? Really good. Now, I'm a little jealous because, of course, Paul is in... Are you still in Santa Cruz, California, or have you moved since then? No, no I'm still in Santa Cruz, thankfully. Yeah, no kidding. We're, we're just <laughs> discussing the weather, and Paul was saying that throughout the year, they've got basically two different types of clothes to wear one for morning wear and one for evening wear. And coming from Canada, I cannot relate to that at all, except right now in the middle of autumn. (laughs) So let's jump into this. Paul, I would love for you to take a moment to talk about specifically your professional background and how you got into this. I would love to. Yeah, it's um, it started when I was still at school, actually. I was in the UK. We take a, a two year in between doing our general education and, and going to university if we want to go that route where we study A-levels, advanced levels. So I guess you could call that an associate's degree kind of level here in the US for where I am. So when I was studying my A-levels, I decided that I was bored through my summer holiday and uh, I wanted to take a fitness certification. So I looked into uh, some of the fitness certifications that I could do. And the the WABBA was something that kind of struck a chord with me being a coming from a gymnastic background, I was already pretty strong and pretty powerful. And the bodybuilding, weightlifting, powerlifting coach kind of, uh, kind of attracted me. So I, I really loved that course. And it, it really catapulted me into, you know, the fitness, uh, fitness industry. After that, I, I took a big break from, from that career and I was actually a, a trader. I was a stockbroker in the city of London working for different banks, JP Morgan and a couple of other big banks. And through banks merging and uh, redundancies, layoffs, I was there for a number of years. And then I decided that actually I didn't want to do that anymore. And I came out of the city, had some money in my pocket and decided that didn't want to be in the city anymore. And I uh, decided that I was going to do the premier global personal trainer certification and the sports massage certification that they have as well. So I did that as a diploma and uh, started on my journey training clients and then got a job in a gym where I was a personal trainer and a fitness instructor. Then I did my spinning certification, which I still do to this day and still love it. And I'm sure you can relate to that as well. Absolutely. Um, And then I, I left that job and went to work for David Lloyd, David Lloyd UK, who's a massive club, a health and fitness club chain in the UK. And I took the National Academy of Sports Medicine, the CPT expert course, which encompasses a huge amount of of work and, you know, lots of different uh, strings to that bow, which is fantastic. The 
speed and agility and quickness course was in there as well. And then I studied nutrition, sports nutrition with the weight management center. And I, you know, when I was younger, I didn't get the opportunity to go to university and go down that route. Part of that was because I got offered such a good job in the city. And part of it was because financially we couldn't afford it. So I, you know, when I came out of the city and I realized that I really wanted to go down the fitness and training route and being a, a personal trainer, I just threw myself into every course I possibly could. Every course I could find, every course that the David Lloyd Club would support. You know, I, I just threw myself in there and took as many courses as I could because I just wanted to learn. You know, my I remember my mom saying to me one time, would you stop asking why? Stop asking questions one day. <laughs> You know, I was, I'm that compulsive questioner, you know, for me, asking questions was just like, that was it. That was, that was what I did all day. So I just took workshops and courses. I went to fitness conventions. I did CPDs. I did my Russian kettlebell certification. I did my Czech certification, BOSU, Pilates courses. Then I started to get more into the sports side of things with triathlon coaching so I did my British Triathlon Federation coaching uh, certification, my open water swimming certification. Um, and of course, England being the land of however many lakes there are was a, a great thing for me to do because I love swimming in lakes. I'm not such a big sea swimmer, ocean swimmer, but I love swimming in lakes. So, you know, it enabled me to really sort of do something different with triathletes, taking them into open water. So um, but then I started getting perpetually injured. And so I then started looking into working alongside some physiotherapists and some osteopaths to learn more. And that was kind of what led me to where I am now, you know, realizing that knowing all of these exercises, knowing all of these uh, pieces of equipment and knowing how to do a shoulder press or a bench press or a chest press or a lat pull, that wasn't going to get me out of injury. Um, so I working not not actually working closely with physios but just kind of spending some time with with some of them and I I questioned them because that's what I do <laughs> um, I, I just carried on questioning I asked questions and <laughs> it was you know we, we'd sometimes we'd sit there my, my osteopath friend of mine we'd sit there on a on a Friday night and just chat about stuff and we'd end up kind of agreeing to disagree or you know we need to take this conversation further and it, it just led us both down this path of of really questioning things and not being accepting of what was but wanting to find out more mm, I love that that's me in a nutshell <laughs> oh I love it you know and when you were talking Paul I just kept thinking well number one you and I are very similar <laughs> but that yeah. growth mindset that desire to learn and apply and then go deeper because there's so much education out there that we can take. But if we never apply that information and if we never see how that information can then, I don't know, have a domino effect into other areas of sport or movement or health and wellness, I just think that's a really lost opportunity. And you know, yeah. there are some people that may say, without having a kinesiology degree, mm -hmm. what makes you the expert? And I think it's very important right now to distinguish between that formalized education, which you do have, you do have formalized education, but also then the application of that information. And it's experience can be one of the best teachers if you're able to back that up 
with yeah. formalized education, whether it's a university degree, a master's degree, continued fitness certifications. I'm all for that. So I applaud you. I think that's absolutely the way to go. Did you ever find that you had experienced a point where you were perhaps pursuing too much education? Is there such a thing in your mindset? Yes, I I think there is. I, I think that I think sometimes we can actually be stunted by, and this is something that I, I I like talking about with people because as somebody with a growth mindset, you have this 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 desire, this want, this will, this need for knowledge and more and more. And and sometimes you it can kind of make you into the person who who doesn't actually do something for fear of not knowing everything. And I think that's a big particularly for myself, I think that's something where I have a fear of failure. And I have a, I used to have a fear of not knowing the answer, because that that in my mind was failure. And actually that that in itself, you know, knowing that you have that fear, if you know, you have that fear, you can actually use it for, to your advantage. Because you can then start to say, well, actually, do you know what, I don't know the answer to that question. But you know, I'm going to find out, and I'm going to research it. And I'm going to to a point, I might be able to bring back the actual answer. And sometimes your experience allows you to theorize what a potential right answer might be. And if you don't have enough background, if you don't have enough variety, you might get channel visioned into something. I did say channel. Yeah. You get, you know, channel visioned, channel vision, whatever you want to call it, into this one thing where to a carpenter every, who has a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. so if you don't have this array of, of different, um, you know, I, I have my NASM CPT, I have my Russian kettlebell certification, my Czech certification, my Pilates. Well, well which one covers this? Mm. Which one covers that? Well, if one of them doesn't cover it, then you got to find out why you got to look for the right answer. And, and it might be that one of them might kind of steer you in a direction, but you still might have to research something and really theorize and use a scientific approach to coming up with an answer. And even then it might not be the right answer. Well, and isn't that what the science of exercise physiology is all about? Is 100%. Yeah. Finding those inconsistencies and yes. having the drive and also the courage to pursue why the common beliefs no longer yeah. apply. That is something where the sling method was born. That, that is literally the reason why the sling method was born. You know, I'm sure we're going to talk about this later, but you know why the scientific approach is see a problem, create a theory, test the theory, readdress the approach, and then hopefully come up with a solution at some point. But when you get that solution that you think is the solution, keep testing the theory, keep testing the model. Sometimes the model will, will work perfectly. And sometimes you kind of, you're there scratching your head going, well, hold on a minute. I thought I'd come up with a solution, but actually that didn't work for this person. I'll also question myself and I'll question my model. And I've done that so many times. I thought I'd cracked it back in 2015. Yeah, I was wrong. I just scratched the surface back in 2015. I hadn't even written my first book in 2015. I've got years before <laughs> I'm going to get right. But now I am here right now in 2021 going, you know what, I might not have 100% of the answers and I might not have the absolute solution, but I've got a really cracking good model that works so well most of the time. And that is 
me continually sciencing myself and sciencing my method and sciencing my theories. And with the with the research that I've done and with the information that I've taken on board, it's allowed me to question myself. And, you know, even when you think you've cracked it and you then go, yeah, I, I kind of tunnel visioned myself down this one route. And I if I hadn't had the growth mindset that I have, I would have carried on with the blinkers on and I would have ended up being a pig-headed, stubborn, ego-driven person who's written a book and gone, this is right, and and I never would have changed. And I think that that is something that people who have bought my books and people that, you know, talk to me and ask me for help, they're continually seeing how I still work off the same theory, but the practical application of that theory has changed and evolved. It's not just changed where I've thrown the old theory out, it's just evolved. Mm -hmm. This is so powerful because I think that it's important for fitness professionals to realize that it's okay to learn from making those mistakes and that there are very few absolutes in this world. And if you don't know the answer, seek it out. So let's talk more about the sling method. So the whole premise behind the sling method is fascia and the role that it plays in human biomechanics. And I realize I'm dumbing this down a little bit because I think the thing with fascia that a lot of people still don't understand is how relevant it is to everything that we do. Now, Michel Delcour, who I have the utmost respect for, he speaks on fascia quite a bit, intensegrity, and I could get lost in his work forever in a day. But I believe it was Tom Myers who initially brought up the importance of fascia. Is that correct? And this would have been, what, 20 years ago, but still not widely accepted in the health and fitness industry. Yeah, I I don't want to proclaim to be an expert in fascia. I, I certainly don't want to do that. And we don't have, you know, four days to talk about it. So We'll keep it on a, a kind of a superficial level for, for this. But I, I think it was Ida Rolf, if you go back even way further than Thomas Myers. Right, of course. Um, Ida, Ida Rolf was probably the first person to really talk about fascia and, and its role in the body. Um, and, you know, up until recently, surgeons were cutting into people and, you know, looking at this tissue and going, well, what the hell is this? This 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 is rubbish. Let's throw it away. You know, up until recently... I, like you say, 20 years ago or so, you know, it it literally was just packing material inside the body. That's how it was thought of. Now we know, oh my goodness, how far do we go? You know, it's not just packing material. No, it's the stuff that holds you together. It's the stuff that communicates with the rest of the body. It's the stuff that tells your brain where you are in space. It's the stuff that connects the bones to the bones, the bones to the muscles, the the nerves. It, it's absolutely innovated with, I don't know how many billions, but billions of nerves. And up until recently, we didn't even realize that fascia can actually contract. It can actually produce force. It's got muscular-like properties. That was huge for me to even think that, oh, so for the last 20 years, I've been thinking that my muscles are the only thing that's doing the work when actually it's the fascia and the muscle and the bones and this whole biotensegrity situation, a biological tensegrity is what's holding me together, communicating the load, communicating the the response to the load to my brain, to my nervous system. It, it's, it's telling me everything that's going on. 
And this stuff was previously thought as just packing material that we can just throw away in the trash can. How crazy is that for how many, you know, 100, 200 years? This stuff that is literally one of the most important things inside of our body has just been thrown away like it's waste, like it's just a byproduct. And yet now, in the last 20 years, it, everything's been turned on its head mm-hmm. and we're looking at fascia for the answers. Mm. We've actually got conditions, uh, fibromyalgia and, and uh, chronic pain syndrome that are directly related to fascia. Amazing. And that is, yeah, literally amazing. You know, I, I've attended some fascial dissections, some fascia workshops, and, and every time I come away, I just have my mind blown again and again and again. And I keep making connections, forgive the pun. I make connections <laughs> with, with things that I've been saying and things that I've been theorizing over the last 18 years, seven, 16 years. I've been theorizing things, but had no proof. Mm. And now the science is catching up and showing us that these questions that I had that nobody could answer which is why I kept wanting to learn more and more. I'm now having those questions answered by fascia. You know, if we if we have our eyes shut to what this stuff is, then we're missing, you know, you're, you're missing everything. Missing everything. Everything. Yeah, exactly. I, I One of the first books that I picked up and started reading, it was actually an excerpt from a book by a guy called Serge Grakovetsky, who's a PhD physicist. And I, I Pretty sure he's Canadian, actually, um, French-Canadian. And he was the creator, founder, whatever you want to call it, of something called the Spinal Engine. He mathematically calculated lots of things. Look into his work. You'll love it. Anybody who's listening to this, if this has piqued your interest, look into his work. He's amazing. You know, to, to think of every movement initiating from your spine is incredible to me because I think of like a lot of people did in the past, you know, oh, running, it's all about the legs. Nope, it initiates from the spine. So if we ignore the role of the spine in movement, then we suddenly find the reason why we get all these runners and all of these athletes with overuse injuries in their legs mm. because they're ignoring the, the work of the spinal engine. What Serge Gregovetsky did was he looked at a congenital bilateral amputee and he realized that, wow, this this guy's got no legs and he can still walk. How's he walking? Well, he's walking on his ischiums. He's literally walking along on his ischium bones. How on earth is that possible that this guy can walk and locomote himself with no legs? Well, because he's using his spine. And that's the way that the movement initiates. Through researching gait biomechanics, through connecting all those dots with the kinesiology that I learned about from the NASM, and then through connecting all those dots with everything that I'd learned over the years, I started putting all the pieces together for myself. And that was how I developed the swing method. It was, you know, it wasn't just this idea. It was, it was forever putting pieces together and connecting the pieces to come up with this. In my mind today, it still blows my mind that I connected all those pieces, but I had to have my blinkers off and my eyes open and my growth mindset in order to go, oh my goodness, wow, that is incredible. Yes, that must be a part of my puzzle. I think I'll take that piece and I'll put it in there. I'll throw it in the mix. I'll shake it around and I'll see what I come out with. And that was a part of the way forward. 
you know, Thomas Myers with the Anatomy Trains, incredible, incredible guy. Um, Robert Schleip, Stephen Levin, you know, all of these people were 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 working off a theory. They spent years of their lives working off a theory. You know, to put that into into a working model is just I can't believe that I've done what I've done. If if I'm honest, I really can't. And that's that's not being egotistical. That's that's saying I actually genuinely can't believe that I've done that. All these stars aligned and all these yeah. obstacles that you had to go over, under, around yeah. to lead you to this moment. So now you came up with this theory and yep. you have worked with countless number of individuals who are mm-hmm. now utilizing the sling method. What is the gap between those two occurrences happening where you finally realized this was it and then you put it into play did you start writing about it then or did you jump right into working with people? Walk me along that path. I've been my own test model, my own test dummy, because I was such a complete mess. I was a wreck. I was, you know, I, I have a memory of when I first started working in the city of London. I got off the train and I walked for about 100 yards and I was I had to sit down on a wall because I was in pain. I I started questioning at that point, God, I'm so strong. I'm a gymnast. I'm so flexible. I'm a gymnast. I've got such incredible core strength. I could hold a plank for 20 minutes. I'm strong, I'm flexible, and I've got great core strength. Well, if I go in to see a physio, they're going to tell me if I'm injured and in pain, they're going to tell me to get stronger, work on my flexibility and work on my core strength. I'm already in a situation where, you know, I'm, I'm strong, I have flexibility and I have good core strength. Why not use myself as the, as, the, as the working model, as the dummy? I'm in pain. Figure it out, right? I've got a good platform for working on myself because I already have some knowledge. So I started working on myself. And I, I have that background as a sports massage therapist, as a NASM CPT expert, blah, 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 blah. And I started changing the things that I was doing. So the first thing that I started thinking was, well, I'm, I'm incredibly strong. I'd been a power lifter a bodybuilder, a gymnast. I was fit. I could run. I was a basketball player. Um, I did triathlon. So I just started questioning things and I looked at my movement and it took me straight to the spine because I, I figured that something wasn't right. So let's start with the spine. So I started doing my own exercises that I created based off natural gait movements with the spine. And I started feeling like things were improving. So I just ran with it, carried on doing what I was doing. And and then after a little while, I started changing how I was training my clients. Because remember, at this time, I was personal training. I started to include more of the exercises that I was doing myself with my clients. And some of my clients started saying, wow, that really challenges me in a different way. And I started listening to what my clients were telling me. And it really kind of motivated me to to go deeper and to find out more and to start actually putting everything down in writing. So, and one of my clients actually said to me, God, this is great. You know, I'm actually moving better. I feel like I'm not in pain as much. What you should write a book on this. (laughs) And that was it. Well, that sounds easy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Little did I know, um, writing a book on it is never easy like my my last book that I've been writing since February my golf book um, I still haven't finished it yet uh, <laughs> you know it, it's still kind of almost finished now writing books is not easy 
writing a book on something that you're continually changing means that you're going to write one book and then you're going to change it six months later. Now I'm in this, you know, forever perpetual write, rewriting and rewriting my book that I wrote six years ago. <laughs> you know, that was the first thing. It was like writing the book. Well, where do I start? Well, I, I don't know because I've never done it. And, and there is no real start point. And after I'd written the first book, people were asking me things and I thought, oh, you know what? I, I think I'm at the wrong start point. I started too far ahead of myself. I, so I. Oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was actually quite heartbreaking at first because I thought, oh, man, this is this has been a complete waste of time. But actually, little did I know that that was probably the best thing that could have happened because I, I actually started off with the basic eight. Whereas anybody who's got one of my books knows that it doesn't start with the basic eight. It starts with the runner's rehab, which is all about MFR, self-myofascial release, retentioning the posture, figuring out which parts of the body are overworking, which are underworking, which oh, parts... Okay, can we pause there for a moment? Because I want you to do a miniature deep dive into tight muscles... Okay. And taut muscles, please take a moment because I find that this is a concept that so many fitness professionals don't understand. And it's like you said, with your physical therapist, they just kept saying, well, no, you know, get stronger, get stronger. And you're like, right. ah, I am strong. That's not the issue. So please take it away. Tight versus taut. Okay. I'm going to preface this ever so slightly with a, a one-liner. Strength is specific to the movement. Now, every joint works in many different ways, or most joints work in many different ways. So if strength is specific to the movement, that means that if a muscle that produces a movement is particularly strong, and the opposing muscle groups that produce the opposite action are then particularly weak because they don't and haven't been asked to produce the same amount of force in the same amount of times, that's just a basic training concept, then we've got muscles that do particular movements that are getting much stronger, that are then actually forcing their joint into a position that might be not natural. It might be a biomechanical inefficient position. So let's think about the hip. If the hip, if we do loads and loads and loads of squats, we're going to externally rotate those hips. Think of a wide stance, toes out squat. We're going, to, we're going to place those hips into an external rotation, an abductive position, and we're going to then train the external rotators and abductors to do their job really, really, really well, which is if we don't train the opposing action, then the opposing muscles become weaker relative to the stronger muscle. So then we have a situation where at the joint, we've got something that's tight and strong and something that's taut and weak. Now, the definition of something that is taut is already stretched. Now, if you've got something that's tight, you don't want to make it tighter. And if you've got something that is taut, meaning already stretched, you don't want to stretch it. Now, one of the problems is that we actually feel a sensation in the taut side of the equation, right? That's generally what happens. We feel a sensation that we've been told is tight. It's actually taut. It's already being stretched. So if we go in there and we start stretching something that's already being stretched, what are we doing? We're worsening the situation. What we need to do is we need to recognize also that it's not just muscles, it's actually fascia. And fascia is kind of this crumpled corrugated collagen situation. It's elastin and collagen. And when you stretch it, it actually goes straight. 
So if we've got a situation in a taut side of the equation where the fascia is already being pulled taut and then you stretch it more, you're going to potentially cause a lot of problems because fascia has what's called plastic deformation properties. It's elastin. Elastin stretches to a point, but once it's stretched past its plastic deformation point, it won't go back. It won't respond back. That's called creep. C-R-E-E-P, creep. And that's a, um, an engineering term and a situation where like a plastic bag, for example, if you, you know, a plastic bag will give a little bit, but if you load it up too much and it stretches, it doesn't go back. It doesn't return to its previous state. So that's the situation that we've got in a lot of our joints, because what we do is not balanced. It's really not creating a balanced situation around our whole body. And because in the body, everything is connected to everything and influences everything, we will redistribute load in different places disproportionately. And although there's not a direct correlation with posture causing pain, what poor posture does or poor equilibrium, poor balance between body parts, when we try and move and we try and expect a range of motion from each joint, if we don't have the ability to have postural balance there, we're going to get pain. We're going to get overload. We're going to get dysfunction. We're going to get itises. We're going to, we're going to end up with a really bad situation. That's what we're addressing with the runner's rehab. And that then allows you to start to retrain the movement patterns of the gait cycle. And the gait cycle is the most important thing to a human being. Squatting is not the most important thing to a human being. The gait cycle is because, you know, when I get up out of bed, I have to walk from the bedroom to the bathroom to take a pee. And then I have to go from the bathroom to the kitchen to cook my breakfast and from the kitchen to the sofa. Oh, there you go. There's my first squat. So I, I might have gone through my gait cycle 300 times, 400 times before I sit in a chair. And even then, it's not really a gym fitness based squat. I'm actually falling into a chair. So I'm not squatting. And I'm certainly not squatting with 300 pounds on my back. You know, to a human being who needs to locomote, I need to get to the shops. I need to get to my job. I need to get to my car. I need to get to the kitchen. Locomotion is the most important movement. So focus on that as your priority for movement, because that's what a human body is designed to do. Okay, so quick question. One of the other things that I think it's really important for people to know about that tight versus taut, especially if we're talking about reciprocal inhibition or reciprocal yes. innervation, what happens is when you've got those muscles that are tight, any movement that you try to do, those muscles and fascia will always respond first. So it's so important to ensure that you get the balance right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for people who don't know what reciprocal inhibition is, in movement, when one muscle group's combined contract, the opposing muscle groups have to let go to a degree in order to allow the movement to occur. That's, that's the reciprocal inhibition. One muscle group or muscle groups together that work together to produce a movement, they reciprocally inhibit the opposing muscle groups that oppose that movement. And then it's this kind of like a seesaw. It's like a tango. It's like a beautiful tango of movement together that the muscles are reciprocally inhibiting each other at the right time. But when we have this taut situation, because remember, taut is already stretched. So if we have a situation where it's already stretched, 
what we've got then is a neurological contraction placed on that muscle at its taut point to avoid it getting injured, to avoid it being torn. Now that neurological lock is a protection mechanism from the brain. It won't let go because if it does, it will get torn by its stronger counterpart on the opposing side. That's the problem. We need to readdress that. And that's what we do with MFR and the retentioning exercises in the runner's rehab. We address this tight, taut, reciprocal inhibition communication situation between everything and we address it. And I've created a whole load of exercises that do that by not dealing with muscles in isolation because that never happens. You know, when you go and do a bicep curl in the gym, you're not just training your biceps. When you go and do a tricep press, you're not just training your triceps. You're training so many things in order to you, for you to just be in a position where you can do a bicep curl. You know, a bicep curl is technically arm flexion, elbow flexion. It's not a bicep curl. That's just a name we've placed upon it. We need these things to be, these joints to be in harmony with each other in order to have good movement, in order to stay away from injury, in order to locomote ourselves through our gait cycle. Allowing ourselves to move is the fundamental part of that process. You can't, you can't just get strong because what is strength? What am I strengthening myself for? You know, strength is specific to the movement. So how do I get stronger in the gait cycle? Well, I have to do my gait cycle movement with resistance. That's where it all came from. You know, I put the kinesiology with the strength and conditioning, with the gait biomechanics, with the, the, the reciprocal inhibition, with the nervous system. I put the whole lot together. And what came out of the, 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 the mixer was the swing method. I love it. So now you have a thriving community of yes. individuals who have adopted the sling method and it's growing every single day. So you are an entrepreneur. You've written several eBooks. You've studied, researched, practical application you know, you're like a 19th century scientist using your, your own body for, for your experiments and worked out well in your case, didn't always work out so great for the scientists back in the 19th century. <laughs> yeah. For a fitness professional that is looking at becoming an entrepreneur themselves or that is now interested in becoming their own expert in delivering this information via ebooks. What were some of the big roadblocks that you have experienced yourself? And then what did you do to tackle it? Wow, that's a huge question. Right, let's start. My biggest roadblock is me. I'll tell you why. And I I had this kind of imposter syndrome. I'd come into the fitness industry a little bit later, 24. Um, even though I'd really started when I was 18, I, I really kind of, you know, threw myself into it at the age of 24. I had that fear of failure, that procrastination, that imposter syndrome. I lacked self-belief. I am my biggest critic. But, you know, after this many years, I've, I've come to a point where I've, I've got over that by realizing that although those things are not necessarily great things to have in my in my personality traits if i know they're there i can i can overcome them looking into my my own behavior and growing and seeing my own personality traits my perfectionism i realized that i was never going to get anywhere if i didn't do something about them i started working through some behavioral courses some videos that i picked up online and i started realizing and looking at myself 
And I realized I was never going to get anywhere. If somebody who's a perfectionist, you get stunted by your own perfectionism. I've got through that feeling of, I have to be right. I'm, I have to be perfect. And you can overcome that. And what I am now is not what I was six, seven, eight years ago. Now I take this stance about myself as being unapologetically and authentically me. And that's who I am. I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers. I'd never said I did. And I don't proclaim to. But you can't do that unless you know who you are. But I have passion. I have a ton of passion for what I do. And that's been my biggest driver through my roadblocks. Mm -hmm. You know, the roadblocks are there. Yeah, I didn't have a PhD. I couldn't afford to go to university. So I did it a different way. It doesn't make me worse. It doesn't make me any less of a person than somebody who's got a PhD. I learned as much as I could, and I'm still learning now. Mm -hmm. So not only do you have this growth mindset, but you also consciously decided to become self-reflective. Yes. And to also, you know, that that self-reflection is one thing, but also being able to take the information that other people are giving you because yeah. we can't, we don't exist in a vacuum. We don't want to be in an echo chamber. We need to learn from what's going on around us. But yeah. then what I hear you saying, Paul, is that you really worked on your emotional intelligence. Yeah. So it's like the trifecta. It's, you know, the golden trifecta where you've got growth mindset, reflection, and high emotional intelligence. And that has gotten you to where you are. Yeah. I have some friends who entered the fitness industry and they did it because they they wanted people to tell them that they're amazing, that they're great, that they're fantastic. They're an amazing instructor. I think in my early days as a spin instructor, I think there was a part of that for me. I really do. You know, I, I want, I, I really desired that, that wanting to be great, that wanting to be, because I didn't have a real purpose. Whereas now I kind of see my purpose as different. It, it's my purpose is to help people out of pain where other things have failed. And people sometimes come to my social media pages and they tell me, I've tried everything. Why do you think that you're going to help me? And I say, because I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. I'm not saying go and get stronger. I'm not saying go and do a 20 minute plank, which a lot of people are saying. And I'm looking at it from a different perspective. I'm saying to people, I am going to show you a different way, which is going to get you a different result. If you want to get a different result, you have to do something different. Isn't it funny how people never make that connection? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I've said this before, you know, somebody came to me a while ago and they said, what are you going to say to me? What are you going to tell me that's different? And they said, well, you know, I've, I've stretched, I've, I've been stretching for years. And I said, okay, start with that. Start by stopping stretching. And they go, well, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And I say, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Who's the crazy one? You, if you keep on doing the same thing and keep getting the same thing that you always got, if I told you to carry on stretching, wouldn't I be the crazy one? Because I'm then telling you to do the same thing. So that, you know, if, if you want to get the same result, keep doing the same thing by all means. If you want a different result, you must do something differently. Millions of human beings on this planet do the same thing over and over again and expect to get a different result. And when they don't get the different result, they bash their head and go, well, well, but, but why did it not, why did it not work? Well, because you did the same thing. Oh, can I just draw a little parallel here? Because <laughs> I think that this explains how you became an entrepreneur as well. You're not 
doing exactly what everyone else is doing. I think that's really the key is if you want to make a change, do something different. Don't carry on doing the same thing. Now, I'm not saying that everybody else is wrong. What I'm saying is I'm different. And if you want a different outcome, do something different. That's it. Let's jump into opportunities that you would recommend other fitness professionals seek out. So, you know, it might be a market. It might be continuing along this path of standing out or doing something different or even applying yourself to really get the answers that you're seeking. What do you have for us? I think that there's two things. There's the behavioral and the mindset. I don't think anybody has zero ego. I I really don't. I, I still think I have a little bit of an ego and it's protecting me all the time. What I have, I think, is the understanding of that and the understanding that I can change that and I can be in control of that because I'm not being led emotionally. So working on my emotional, social behavior and mindset is something I do ongoing all the time. I think as a fitness professional, we're always striving to get noticed. And if we don't get noticed, we take it personally. We don't have to take it personally because there's billions of people on this planet. There's enough for everybody to make a living. And we're talking about business here. We're talking about being an entrepreneur. We're talking about growing as a business person. That also comes into how you are perceived from the public, from everybody else that sees you. If you come off as as somebody who knows everything, you're egotistical, you're a show off, you know, it's not something that's going to be particularly liked maybe. And people aren't going to really want to get to know you. But if you put it out there that, hey, you know what? I don't know everything and I'm working on it. People can really kind of connect with that. From a growth perspective, again, education, certification, mentorship, you know, look for people that kind of align with what your passion and what your goal is. I don't mean literally walk around following them all day long, but, (laughs) you know, don't stalk people. But in a world of social media, we can follow, in quotes, people online. We can go to Facebook, we can go to Instagram, we can go to these platforms and we can follow people, we can learn from these people, we can we can kind of almost have a relationship with this, these people that they don't even know that we're having a relationship with them, if you know what I mean. And it's a, it's a way to, to be mentored by that person without them even really knowing it. Then there's the other side of mentorship, which is, hey, Karen, I really love what you're doing. Can I kind of like spend a little bit of time with you one day, maybe? Can I learn from what you're doing? Because I really love that. That to somebody in the fitness industry is probably the most flattering thing that we could have done to us. When I had my business in Santa Cruz, I I, I mentored a couple of spin instructors and, you know, we still, we, we meet up every now and again for lunch and we chat, you know. Um, it's a great way to learn by learning from somebody else's experience. You know, certifications and education can give you a huge amount. I'm not saying they can't, but the experience can give you so much extra as well. And you can't get anywhere without both. You're never going to be great without both. So get both. Search out somebody who aligns with your passion and your goals and ask them to help you. Reach out to them. Ask for help. That's a really huge thing, I think. I agree 100%. And I think that most individuals within the fitness industry, they're willing to help others. Because at the end of the day, if you're in the business of helping people, helping people to become comfortable with change, then you'll want to raise the standards and raise the bar on what we call the fitness industry. And and that's exactly how you and I met a few years back was on social media. We all of a sudden were connecting and I thought, oh, I really like what this guy has to say. I want to learn more. So 
100% agree with you don't necessarily need to know your mentor. You could be yeah. learning from someone that doesn't even know of your existence. <laughs> Correct. You know, I, I think, um, and I, I actually need to thank you as well. People people don't know this that necessarily you and I and another person have, have had a, a, a social media triangle for the last couple of years. And, and to be quite honest with you, over this last couple of years, it's been really hard. You know, COVID came and it and it caused me to, I, I had certification courses planned in, in New York and in London last April and May 2020. And of course, COVID hit, everybody had to swerve and, and uh, do something to, to change that. And that was when I put my, my certification courses online. I created this whole online certification course because because I couldn't go to London. I couldn't go to New York because we were in our social bubbles in our houses and in our hometowns. We couldn't even leave our county. Having you and having our, our other member of our little social online messenger trio uh, has been amazing for me and for my mental health. You know, when, when I have a, a, a lull of uh, of people not buying my books for a week or or for even for five days or whatever, I start questioning myself. What have I done? What have I done wrong? What what have I changed? What do I need to change? How do I pivot from this? I've bounced a few things off Karen, and I've bounced a few things off off somebody else. <laughs> You're really building up this air of mystery around our other friend. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know, you can you know see who. his name. Oh yeah, Caesar. Okay. He's amazing. Um, Caesar is amazing i absolutely love that guy and and amazing you know cra crazily enough i've never met him crazy i've never met him and and um you know he's been he's been like a, a coach for me over the last couple of years and i i want to thank him as well he doesn't even well he probably does know it but i think he's amazing and i i think you're amazing and you've helped me so much and i love that and that you know for fitness professionals who are just coming into the industry join a social media group just because you have a certification doesn't mean you know everything it's like in first grade when you learn that we have an eye and that eye has a lens yeah great that lens is just the front of the eye but there's a hell of a lot going on back behind that eye you know you still got to get to second grade and third grade where you find that there's oh there's an optic nerve and there's a retina and there's the there's all these other things going on in the eye and your level one or your level two is just like learning about the different parts of the eye you're learning more you're getting deeper and deeper and learning more being able to come to a group and like my group for example the revolutionize your running group the sling method group and saying you know what this guy's got a different approach and a different opinion and a different thought process than I have. The first thing you should do is ask why. What's his thought process? Why does he see things differently to how I see it? And, and get to know what that person sees and how they see it before you start arguing with them. And you know what I love about all these different social media groups, especially if you've been in them for four or five years, is you can literally see yep. the growth of yeah. you definitely start to notice who the leaders are because the leaders take time out of their day to yeah. help to educate to engage in those conversations and not the arguments and yeah. you see them grow and it's a beautiful thing because people have to understand that we don't come into this industry knowing everything mm -hmm. we're going to make mistakes and the best thing you can do for your growth is to join a group where people have different ideas and insights right 
And I feel like that's something that I do with my social media is I pose questions. I ask a question and I put it out there and then I share my opinion and my thoughts on it. And it's really interesting when somebody who might have the same number of years experience in the fitness industry or as a running coach that I have, all of a sudden they're like, oh my goodness, I've been thinking that for the last 20 years. Mm. And now that you've said it, it shows me that I was right to think that. And then it sends them off down their path. And once you kind of get somebody to, to not disband their, their original thought process, but just to open their mind up a little bit, that's it. They've got that growth mindset and they're not shut off to your ideas. It's all about sharing those ideas and sharing what led you to them and your perception. I did this post the other day and it was literally about perception. And uh, it was it was of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And I said, if you ask 100 people, how would you prop up the Leaning Tower of Pisa? 50 of them would probably say, put something in front of it to stop it falling. 50 of them would probably say, well, I'd put some uh, tension struts behind it to pull it up again, to hold it up. And I said, well, if it's a tensegrity structure, I'd have it tensioned from within. And that was completely different to, to how 50% and the other 50% would. Brilliant. It's just a different thought. I, I think I got like four messages from people that day going, wow, you really opened my mind to a different thinking on that. That's it. That's my goal to get people to open up their mind. Yes. Oh my gosh, Paul, this has been an absolute pleasure having you on today. I know that whoever has listened to this today is going to walk away not only with a desire to learn more about fascia and the sling method, but they're also going to walk away not questioning who they are, but having the confidence to be who they are. And that is all because of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So that wraps up our discussion today. If you want to get in touch with Paul and if he has any certifications coming up within the sling method, will you have that on your website? Yes, it's all on there. The level one and the level two are on there at some point in the next year or so i'm going to start the level three uh the level one is is the runner's rehab and the basic eight just basically being great at at instructing it and doing it yourself um the level two is the intermediate 10 the rotational torque training and the centrifugal force training that's the level two again just being great at instructing it and being great at showing it yourself and then the level three is going to be the gate biomechanics, the sling method gate biomechanics. And that's a little bit more in depth. Um, that's going to be a longer course and it's going to take a lot of work to write, but it's going to be amazing. And the sling method courses are all there to help you become better. Excellent. And yes, your passion shows through and you do truly want to help. So I want to take this time to again, thank you so much. And I look forward to the time that we do meet in person. I do. Maybe we'll have to bring Caesar. I think that would be the obvious thing to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Karen. Appreciate it. 